When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck. I'm a writer for The Athletic. I'm sitting right next to my colleague, Jordan Bianchi, also a writer for The Athletic. We are at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We are outside in Victory Lane that is now abandoned. There is uh, green and uh, gold confetti all around for the Quaker State uh, 400 colors and empty cans and assorted trash and people are cleaning up pit road the haulers are leaving honking in the background and uh, we were just treated to quite an exciting race jordan wow that was something huh i have a really important question for you okay if you were going to confront me would it be at a food line or would it be somewhere else uh no i wouldn't <laughs> wait till the food line i don't know why you have to wait till the food line to confront somebody i don't know me eric Amarola apparently is shopping for smithfield uh bacon and i guess he because that Ross Chastain's going to be there for a while. I guess they run into Ross Chastain. We ran into Ross Chastain at the grocery store one time. Yeah, we were Target. in Daytona. Yeah, it was yeah. Target. So maybe they, he maybe was buying almond milk. Chastain's MO must be known. Like, he hangs out at grocery stores, and they, uh, the growing list of drivers angry at him, which added another one today, and then rekindled feuds with Hamlin and Truex. Another one? Yeah, well, multiple. The, well, the, well, the one that, well, that's true. Who else was there? Almarola, Dylan. Austin Dylan. Austin Dylan, yeah. So that's yeah. two. So at least well, that we know of. So yeah, it's. Man, a uh, lot to digest from this race. A lot yeah. to digest. Yeah. No. Well, let's start with uh, let's start with the finish of the race, because I think that's what people seem to be uh, sort of lighting up the phone lines about, except on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Uh, so there's a lot of takes and a lot of strong feelings about the last lap. Corey LaJoy was really the show. Um, I'm not even sure how this race would be perceived. Um, if LaJoy hadn't been up there because I felt like that completely changed the dynamic of, you know, it was a good race and there was some good racing, but like the question of, wow, um, can LaJoy win this race? Can the ultimate underdog type guy, the stacking pennies guy, uh, you know, can he do this? And he, and he, there was plenty of signs to show that he was going to be in it late. The last lap, um, comes down and you know, it, he had a run. And he had a choice, and it was, look, do I take this run right now and try to do, uh, try to make my one move, uh, you know, my one shot here that I, that I know I'm going to have, or do I sort of tuck in line, maybe wait till the finish line and, and potentially settle for P2? Um, or, as, as he said after the race, you know, maybe if he goes up high and it doesn't work, he gets hung out, everybody gangs up on the bottom, and he, and he ends up finishing ninth. So he went for it. He had no choice. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So he went for it. Chase Elliott sees that and throws a mega block. As This is Chase's words, yeah, mega quote block. Quote, mega block. Yeah. So um, the mega block happens, and it puts LaJoy in the wall. And uh, LaJoy crashes. Caution comes out. He finishes 21st. Chase Elliott wins the race at his home track. Jordan, what were your thoughts on that sequence? 
you know, Joy didn't have a choice. I mean, finishing second, finishing 21st, there is no difference for him. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters to him is he has to figure out a way to get a win. And the, if he's going to have any shot of making the playoffs, he has to get a win. And then there's got to be a little bit more work to do points-wise and everything like that. But you need a win. Finishing, it doesn't, regardless where you finish, it doesn't matter unless you win. And what choice did he have? And you've seen it throughout this weekend, though. When you back off, when you try to fall back in line, you lose your momentum. It is really hard to get your momentum back in a hurry and make another, a repass, if you will, a reattempt, if you will. We saw in the Xfinity race, we saw it all throughout this day, is you really kind of get one move on a lap. And you either go for it or you don't. And if LaJoy doesn't go for it there, he's not going to have time to recalibrate, if you will, and make another move. It's over for him, and so you have to go. Totally agree. I think that was his one shot. And for whatever reason, um, I never for a second had any issue with how Chase defended it. No. Um, that was what LaJoy had to do, and that was what Chase had to do. Yeah. Uh, Chase, as he described it afterwards, he basically said, look, I, I have two options there, right? He sees the big run coming. He can either block, throw a big block, and hope that it keeps the car behind him and that it doesn't result in a crash, and you just kind of hope. And he, he risked you know, getting himself turned, too, obviously, there. Um, but that's what, you know, that's that's sort of his winning move. Or he said, you can, quote, pick the lane you want to lose in. Yeah. Let the guy go by you. Hope that you can tuck in behind him and you have time for the rest of the three quarters of the lap to make a move and that the caution doesn't come out with a wreck behind you. And that's essentially a losing move in itself because you're kind of like, well, I don't, I mean, look, there's no going to be no way that if he lost lead, he was going to have enough of a run. No, it's the, same, it's the same situation that LaJoy is in where he's, if he gets past, he's not going to have a time to gather the car, get momentum and get a push. This track is too small. This aero package, the way it is, he made the move he had to make and it's fine. And in, in Elliot's case, he's playing with house money. I mean, he's already got two wins. He's locked into the playoffs. He's fine. Yeah, he's fighting for the regular season championship. But grand scheme of things, like you, he wants to win here bad. This is it. This is the closest he's come. Here's your opportunity. He had no choice. Either you throw that block or you lose. Well, and this is the entire system. That it, that's how it's set up. It's all about wins, playoff points, you know, all that stuff. A win locks you into the playoffs. A win gets you five bonus points. Um, LaJoy said, you know, he finished fifth here in the spring. Mm -hmm. And he said, when I saw that paycheck for finishing fifth, I knew that finishing second was uh, this yeah. not something I wanted to do. He already told himself before this race, I didn't come here to finish second. He's going to go for it. And he was confident all week. I talked to a lot of people on his team and he said all week, he was telling the team like, listen, we got a shot here to go. We are going to go there. And his team owner told me like he called a shot. Like he would come here confident, expecting to want run well. And he delivered. And it was an interesting dynamic because for much of the race too, um, in my notes, like, we really didn't have a lot of those quote-unquote surprises. You know, like, we hear a lot all week, like, oh, this is anybody's race to win. It was kind of the same expected players, Chastain, Truex, uh, Elliott, Byron, you know, the list goes on. All guys that were locked in the playoffs. The only guy who really, for the first, I would say, half of the race, three-quarters of the race, was Michael McDowell, who was running kind of in the back half of the top ten, but then he got conned direct. But then with about 50 to go, would you say? Like, that was when Corey LaJoy kind of asserted himself, and then it became a whole different – the race took on a different narrative, and it felt like this was LaJoy's moment. Like, this was everything you wanted. Here it is. Yeah, especially when he stayed out and um, didn't take any tires. Or he took fuel only. He took fuel only and didn't take tires, and he came out with the lead. And, um, you know, Elliott and Chastain stayed behind him at first, and then Elliott made a pass, but then LaJoy passed him right back. And I was like, okay, this wasn't just some – 
quick thing where you see some, you know, sometimes you see like an underdog back marker type guy stay up there for a little bit. And then once they get past, they're done. They're oh. not going to get up again. He, he kept he had fighting staying power. Yeah, he did. And then he, you know, was able to get the lead from Truex. Uh, and then the late caution comes out, things like that. So it really changed. It really suddenly shifted to, whoa, all the stuff we've been talking about with all these different winners in the playoffs. Now, it would have been an extra step in that he's th he was 31st in points, well behind Keselowski in 30th. So you would have so let's say he won, then it would have been well, okay, can he catch Keselowski in the remaining races for 30th? And if not, can he catch Todd Gillen for 29th? But Gillen was pretty far ahead of him, so it wouldn't have been like the he won his way into the it playoffs. It wasn't a clear thing. cut. He's yeah. going to get in, but. It opens up the possibility. Sure, absolutely. And we have seen it before with other teams. Like Chris, Chris Boucher won a few years ago, kind of an under, you know, Cinderella of upset winners. Like, all of a sudden, the dynamic changes within your manufacturer, and all of a sudden you're driving better cars than you were before. Because well, you're right, and they would have put more resources yeah, exactly. into it, for sure. So I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it changes the dynamic. And and I, it was funny. I talked to Corey. I talked to his crew chief, Ryan Sparks, and, and you talked to Corey too. And he admitted that. And with, like, that caution with, like, four or five laps to go, he's like – he was thinking about it like I got like this this might be it I've got a chance to win this thing and it just didn't happen yeah but I mean it's worth noting and I really think that I need to emphasize this just because I saw this with my own eyes LaJoy was really fairly insistent that like no no he oh, yeah. you know Elliot uh did what he has to do that's it's last lap I mean that's what right. he expected to do and Elliot uh expected Corey to do that and then um you know they were both fine with it and the respect extended to victory lane when Corey came to victory lane with Chase Elliott celebrating and shook his hand, talked about it for a little bit and left. And I think, you know, they've obviously known each other a long time. They were in the NASCAR next program together, all that stuff. Uh, you know, LaJoy was once a, a hot prospect essentially just in, in the same class as some of those other guys who have made it like a Blaney and people like that. And uh, you know, he, he hasn't had the success in his career that he wanted to, but he saw an opportunity to go for it. He went for it. And I think, you know what, great. Like, it's good hard racing. Um, you want the guys going for it. I didn't think it was a dirty move on either part. And this is what this track was reconfigured to do. Yeah, this track delivered. And it's funny, LaJoy walked out of victory lane, and he, I was walking with him, and he looked back, and he goes, yeah, I kind of expected I thought I'd be in there today. <laughs> and it was like, and then there was a moment in the garage. He was uh, talking to some folks, and Chase Elliott's car goes by is being pushed by and it's got the confetti all over the green and gold confetti on it and i watched LaJoy kind of look to his right and looked at it and he just kind of like pursed his lip a little bit like yeah you could just tell like you you could tell what he was thinking like yeah almost yeah i mean he said he's going to replay it uh it both in his mind and probably on, on video like a hundred times but i really don't think i, I it's hard to picture there's a different no hindsight. Outcome. this is not a hindsight move like there's no real it was either that was his chance. This was he it. Went this for is, it wasn't like this isn't a Daytona or Talladega where you might be able to re, you know, because the chance is that Elliot says, "Well, I'm not going to wreck myself for this," or he gives him a little bit of, enough room to pull alongside him, and then you don't know what happens. But both guys decided like that was that was the moment, and they put their foot down and um, or kept their foot down for for in LaJoy's case. Um, I really don't have a problem with it, and I think it was entertaining. I, t I got to say though. You know, a year ago at this time, we were sitting right in this victory lane doing this podcast. Same spot. And the one of the weekend stories was how upset the drivers were <laughs> that Atlanta was going to be reconfigured because once you go this direction, you, you can't go back. And, and I think there was legit concern about that. And even coming into the spring race, 
I personally, I'll throw myself out there in, in one of my epic moments of being wrong. I was like, this isn't even going to work. It's not going to work how it's intended. It's probably just going to look like a 550 race. Um, and I just don't see it becoming like a super speedway. Wrong, wrong. I mean, it has been a super speedway, especially for Cup. Now, Xfinity didn't really work out uh, as intended for whatever reason on Saturday. But the Cup package works here. It has made it a super speedway. And, man, I mean, it's hard to say that that wasn't the most exciting Atlanta race I've ever seen since I've been coming here. Um, I don't know how it'll turn out in the poll, but that was a very exciting race. Now, if you are a traditionalist and you wanted old Atlanta, you're probably not going to like it in the same sense. Why did they do this? But it was exciting, and, and that's what they redesigned this to do. So I think, you know what? you got to put one in, in Marcus Smith's tally book of one that worked. Uh, I was very skeptical, like I said, but I think this has worked so far. The old Atlanta, while there, it offered a lot of moments, you know, great finishes, consistent competitive racing was not always on the table. And more often than not, drivers would win. You'd have the winner win going away. And it's hard to not see what this does, whether you look at the spring race or you look at today and say, this is, this is really entertaining. And I made the analogy in the spring, and it stands true today, is other sports have done everything they can to increase offense, to make their game as appealing as possible for the fan in the grandstands and fans watching at home, because that's what fans want. They want to see points scored. In NASCAR, this is what they determined that this is the equivalent of offense, is this kind of racing. And I don't want to see this every single week. I don't want to see this at other intermediate tracks. I don't want to see other tracks try this. This needs to be limited and confined to, to here in Daytona and Talladega, but... I, I, I'd be hard-pressed for anyone to say that this is not delivering a good product. Now, I don't know why the fans didn't turn out for this. That's a different question. But I think if you're watching at home, this was this was good. Well, as you're saying all that, I, I think you sort of brought up some of my concerns in a way because it was like, you know, on the one hand we're saying, and because I, I agree with you, right, I, I don't want to see a single other uh, track like this. I don't want to see any more of these tracks get reconfigured or redesigned to be like this but so this is the limit right like yeah. i feel like six should be <laughs> enough right can we six? just get like a hard cap like right a mandate no more but the problem is as we know um in nascar yeah. things tend to get overdone look at road courses and one road course turns intermediate two road tracks courses. back in the day sure sure um and so i think that other tracks certainly are going to look at this and go well can we do this uh look at look at how much interesting it's made atlanta i, I wish we could say well the door has been closed. This worked. Um, but I fear that other tracks will want to go down this road. And that takes the sport in a different direction because it does, you know, this this has worked so far um, with a new grippy track. But once the grip goes away, um, the drivers were saying that, you know, it's it's not going to work as intended. And it's, it's probably going to get more strung out like the Xfinity race looked. If the Xfinity race had been the cup race today that would have been a whole different narrative because people would have said this track's ruined it's destroyed yeah um and what have they done with this place um so I, yeah i don't want to see any more but for whatever reason i'm fine with this now so people might listen to that and go well get used to it because we're going to keep going this direction <laughs> but i would prefer that doesn't happen we'll see i mean it's it's really expensive to, to reconfigure a track like this. And that's the one thing I guess you can say is like... Yeah, but is, when tracks come up for repaves, they're going to spend money anyway. Yeah, so. and the, the hope is is that... I'm trying to run through my head of all the tracks out there that are coming up for repaves. Like, and there's none that jumps immediately out. Is like the novelty of this may have worn off a little bit. And they realize like, hey, this is not 
this is kind of a one-off thing. And, you know, you look at the Roval. I remember when the Roval happened in 2018, like, everybody's like, oh, man, is Pocono or these other tracks, maybe they could have had a Roval, you know, an infield road course. And we didn't see it. So my hope is that it follows the same the p- same path. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm not I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I think that ultimately, when you say, "Hey, look, we reconfigured our track to make it more exciting. It worked. This is the most exciting Atlanta race in years, or whatever." Um, it's going to be hard to argue if somebody else wants to do it. I just I hope that I hope it doesn't happen again because I just think I that will tell. We'll see. You've you've got six super speedways now. You've got um, six road courses, six short tracks. Um, you know, I think there's you're getting to be a nice sort of balance street across course. the series. Yeah, well, we'll talk about a street course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll see. But uh, anyway, let's talk about you know before we move on from the the Chase Elliott part of this. I mean, tremendous for him to win in front of the the home crowd here. Like you said, uh, not a big turnout, uh, which Disappointing. is confusing. Uh, I, I would think that that can be blamed on the heat because it was pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, and, I mean that's and that's part of the bigger question is is how do you how do you combat that? Like, is this? I was having this conversation with somebody. He's like, is this a race that needs to be at night? If you're going to have a race in the summer um, in Atlanta, like, I mean, it, it would make sense that it put it at night to to help combat that a little bit. I don't know what the answer is, but all I know is that the race, you're giving the fans a great product, like a very entertaining product. And listen, I know it was hot today. There was there's threat of rain and everything like that. But that's, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question because it was. But I mean, this was like Atlanta hot, not just hot. You oh know yeah, no, I mean? it was like, hot. This was, this was actually, I'll say this, it's actually better than Nashville was. Oh really? Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, it just to sit there baking in the stands though. I mean, I, I you can understand why people would be sort of reluctant. I, I don't know what, I mean, a night race would probably help the track temperature and keep them, keep them packed up a little bit more. But yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, so he wins in front of the hometown fans. However many people were here, that certainly made a lot of noise for him. They were very excited and he was, you know, he was emotional about it. I mean, he, he got, there was a moment there. Like I caught me, I'm like, did Chase just get choked up a little bit? Like, I think that's what I heard. I mean, it almost, it almost sounded like that. And he talked about how, you know, it, it's not just that hey this is his home track or you know the track nearest to him like you know people used to say with sonoma and jeff gordon or whatever right but this was like this is his his home track but he used to come down here and race on the on the quarter mile here you know the bandoleros the legend cars he still lives two hours i mean dawsonville's an hour and 45 minutes or whatever it is um and so the fact that he was down here all the time imagine playing your your like little league games uh in you know Wrigley Field or something like that uh, on a smaller diamond and then you get to be a baseball player and come to Wrigley and play there you know what I'm saying like that would have so much meaning for you and he said you know when he used to come here as a kid that the big track was it felt like unattainable like not even realistic or something that you know that was what your heroes did so to to go around that track in front of those adoring fans and win uh, that was a special moment for him you could tell it really meant a lot so that was cool to see uh, you know in addition to just the exciting race itself, what, no matter how it happened, just to see him win there, uh, I think that was that was neat for him. And, and you don't get to see every driver do that. I mean, Kurt Busch at Vegas a few years ago, remember he took that sure. chopper ride afterwards. It felt meant so much to him. But other drivers have never gotten that opportunity, right? Like Keselowski still hasn't won in Michigan, no, right? No, I mean, the one thing that comes to my mind is I know I remember Dale Earnhardt Jr. always saying he wanted to win the Coke 600 because that was in his backyard. I know he won the All-Star race and that meant something, but the Coke 600 was the race that he grew up going to with his dad and it meant a lot and it was something that he come clo- he came close to and never did and 
you just don't get those opportunities. And Brad Keselowski is a great one. Like he talks about every time we go to Michigan, it's always the same thing. Of like, this is something that Brad has said. I think, if I'm not mistaken, like he wants to win that more than they did Tona 500. Yeah, and like uh, Boyer never won Kansas. No, nope. um, Carl did Carl never won. Right? He never won Kansas. I thought he won Kansas. Did he? Okay, I don't I can't remember. remember. Somebody out there will yell at us for that. But oh, hang on, I'll look. You talk. Um, anyway, the bottom line is, if there's no guarantee that you will ever win at your home track, so no matter when it comes, you you don't know what's going to happen again. Um, you know, obviously both the Bush brothers have won at Vegas, but still, it's it's big. Martin Truex Jr. has won at all of his home tracks, I think. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pocono. <laughs> walk it. Do you win it? I think he's walking Dover. Uh, Dover. Yeah. Is walking to Glen home track for him? Do we consider that one? I, you know, you can it's stretch it as far as you list. want. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, th- that that part was neat, but it also really firms him up in the playoff picture, uh, in the championship picture. Jordan, what do you think of his? Because you know we've talked about how wide open it is, but this narrative turned from, oh gosh, is there going to be a 14th different winner? Um, and you know the playoff picture is really murky now. To all of a sudden now it goes, oh Chase is really asserting himself because he's gonna he's he's getting more of a stranglehold on the points lead nope. he has another win uh geez all those haulers the haulers are train those are haulers those are haulers they're blowing their train horns as they leave people That's are waving to them thing. <laughs> why is that stupid they're it's waving irritating. to fans as they leave people are telling them to honk their horn. horns why it's a horn it's so dumb they're waving they're, they're excited oh, it's so dumb I don't you're, get it. you're not a fan of trains i used to want to be a train trains. engineer hate you hate trains hey, why, why trains are dumb why are trains dumb? What are, I don't know. They just don't do anything for me. What? I don't know. Trains are amazing. What, what is amazing about a train? They're so freaking cool. I don't know. Like, they put the crossing gates down. The train comes, blows its horn. No, it's all it does is hold up traffic. And I, like, I sit there, and I'm like, geez, is this thing ever going to end? It's like 20 minutes of just the stupid cars going by and by. It's like, okay, enough already. Can't we, like, put an overpass in? It's so irritating. Oh. I love trains so much. I'm so sad that you don't like trains. It's dumb. I just not my. What do you dislike more, trains or Christmas or small children? Oh wow, Um, children, Christmas, trains. That's your least. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. So trains are actually almost tolerable. If you you. had to put me on a train with children at Christmas time, that would be the end of me. (laughs) Noted. Actually noted. That's very helpful to know. Thank you. Anyway, um, sorry about all the train horns. I don't know what we were talking about. We got distracted. But anyway, yes. So uh, Chase Elliott. Um, yeah, I mean, leading the series and wins. Yeah, I mean, three wins, and it's to me, it's the variety of tracks too. I mean, we talked about that. How some teams have been kind of hit or miss, and like you, you know, you know, JGR for example, they go to a road course. It seems like they're going to be off right now. The nine team though, they won at Dover, which I don't know what you even call that, and then they won at Nashville, which is kind of an intermediate type track. They won here. Uh, they finished. They they almost won at Road America. I mean, it feels like they're hitting on all of the tracks that you kind of need to hit on right now. They don't really have a weakness in their game. And they're running up front. They're leading laps. He swept both stages today, too. We need to mention that, didn't he? He won the first stage. Right, yeah. He swept both yeah. stages today. Yeah. Um, he dominated, you know, almost, you can make a case, almost should have probably won last week at Road America. It's like this team is really starting to be on the ball. And, yeah, I mean, they're going to win. They, they you know sh- what's fascinating about this conversation is earlier in the year, he was sort of like, oh, he's like the fourth Hendrick driver now because yeah, Byron was yeah. doing so well. Larson's the defending champion, Larson, 10 wins. And, and Bowman had won a couple yeah. races. One race. Oh, one race? One okay, race. yeah. He had won before Elliott had. Yep. And um, people were like, oh. Elliot, oh, don't forget, Elliott had won on an oval in over a year. That's right. And, you know, people were like, oh, he's the points leader, but he's so quiet. Kind of Larson really kind of 
like checked him a little bit last year. Like he, right. they were supposed people to be Chase's like, year. Like I thought it was gonna be Chase's year. Like people were out on Chase. Yeah, suddenly. like yeah, like and I was like all of a sudden I was like he's like the forgotten man. And then yeah, all of a sudden now it's, now like, it's <laughs> now it's like Larson's there. So, I mean Larson's still Larson. I don't think he's fine. And Byron's in this. I don't know what you want to call. It. I don't call it a slump because he's running well. He's just, just not a finished. Bad luck streak. Yeah, I guess. It's just, it's and then Bowman. Bowman's honestly the one that the forgotten one right now. Like, yeah. They're not even running. They're not even like running well to counteract the bad finishes. Like they're not. Yeah. That's the thing where you look at it and you're going, "What's going on there?" But yeah, I just uh, I don't know how you don't look at the the nine and say this team is the ty- these are the guys. Now I will say. I think and I said this in the really podcast. championship favorite. I, I, I don't right know. How, I, I don't know how you, they've got the medal. Like I mean, they they they've they've got the they've got the performance on track, and I don't think you can discount this. And this is why this is the one area with like Ross Chastain's team, who's there pretty much every week too. They've been through this ringer before, man. Like they they yeah. it, it, it you don't know what it's like until you go through it. And they have had their failures in the playoffs, and they grew from that. But when they, you know, Martinsville in 2020, when they almost had the penalty and they overcame that, and then they go and win the championship, like, this team is battle-tested. They don't get down. Surviving the Harvick thing. The, surviving the Harvick year. thing. And don't forget, like, the role. Yes, exactly. The Roval. Mm-hmm. Like, this team is very resilient. Yep. I mean, uh, even the time in, at the Roval where he goes into the wall um, and yeah. ends up, you know, surviving that, all that stuff, and and winning to advance and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I was asking Chastain about this um, on Saturday because I said, you know, I I'd asked him in I was, when I was asking everybody for a story um, in April, who's the championship favorite right now, and Chastain had said, you know, it's crazy you're even considering me or, or people are even including me in this conversation. So I had said you know, well, how do you feel it now? Because now we're halfway point. You're still running well every week. You still have the speed. You still have one of the fastest cars, as he did today, finished second, despite all his troubles. And he's like, you know what? I, I just don't know what the playoffs are going to be like. And, and I know that I'm going to – I know that by the time the playoffs are over and I'm sitting there in November, I'm going to have a much better understanding. But he's never been through that battle that you're talking about with Elliot. Um, so I, I think that will say a lot. So and there's yes. also like it needs to be said. Like we talk, we open the podcast talking about this kind of jokingly, but like well, yes, let's go with the I talking mean, about battles there's, now. There's, I mean, there's a real possibility. I mean, he's pissing off a lot of people now. I think a lot of this is talk, and I think that a lot of this is posturing. And I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. In terms of oh, I'm going to get you back at the right time, but you, oh, I don't really. You think so? I don't know. It's just the the field. I'll tell you right now, as things stand right now, the field will not, not only will they not let Ross Chastain win the championship, they will not let him make the Final Four. I don't think he's, and I think he's not going to make the, I think they're going to have their own issues oh, I, by not making the Final Four. I'm not putting them in my Final Four. I think they're going to have their own problems along the way, but I don't think they it's They will be. not <laughs> let him so advance far in the playoffs. You're saying that at some point it's going to be kind of like a, Let's just use Hamlin as an example, right? Like Hamlet's it's a cutoff race where Chastain does something. It might not be purely sending him, but they are going to make his life so miserable. Playoff drivers and non-playoff drivers, whether it's an Austin <laughs> Dillon or you hear the comments from people. They are very, very irritated with Ross Chastain throughout the field. Now, today he said, look, my car was damaged and I overestimated the grip that a damaged car would have. And I made a mistake and I screwed up and I feel terrible about it. But unfortunately you can only feel terrible about things so many times. He's already used nine of them. Yeah. And it, it, it's people don't like how aggressive he is, I guess. And I, I just don't think they're going to let him. It's, 
they're going to make his life so miserable that he can have a lot of speed, but unless he's like winning a race in each round to sure. escape some troubles, um, I don't know. I just I, I don't think I think he's going to have some problems as unless people get him back beforehand. Unless which is, he just which says, is no point. Like, hey, just take it out on me. Another playoffs are coming. The month of August is just beat up on Ross Chastain month. There's four. Spin races. me out at the Glen. Everybody, take your shots. Richmond, I don't, give yeah. me, you know, give it to me all at Richmond. Right, yeah. right. But again, there's no point. I don't know. I, we'll see because you, maybe, maybe you're right. And maybe it's a replay of the Harvick and and Chase thing from a year ago. And you know, guys have long memories, and they say that you know. And I, I mean, just, it's twice happened to Hamlin now. Yeah. Gateway, and this was yeah. not good. Because no, Hamlin was going to be yeah. in a decent position, and he got – I mean, what, what, what was the sixth place, fifth place when that happened maybe? Yeah, something like that. And now this is twice with Truex this year because we don't forget Dover with their, their first moment th- this year. And when Truex, I don't want to say confronted, but what would you say, chatted with Ross? Posted. Oh, that's right, but after yeah, the race. I don't want to say yeah. confronted because I don't think that's the right word, but Truex he was voic- he voiced mad. his displeasure. Right, right, and right. And that's twice now, and, and you heard it on the radio. Like, I mean, if Almarola doesn't get him back in food line, he's going to try to get him back on the track perhaps. So should I be like hanging out in the Mooresville food line for like the next week? Like just like um, sit on the side of the parking lot seeing if any of those guys walk in just to – I think there's better grocery stores you could go to. Oh, I didn't want to say that. I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to say it. But I, was, I almost tweeted that today, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't want to. I'm, I'm going to. I'm so glad you said it, not me. Yeah. I mean, it's not where I would shout, but to each their own. To each no, their own. I'm not Everybody's, saying it's a bad place. It's, if it's did. convenient. <laughs> well, I'm just saying there's better grocery stores if you're going to hang out all week somewhere. I, get, I didn't pick Publix it. has subs. Publix has salads, man. The salads at Publix. Listen, if yeah. you want to be new endorsement, I eat like salads Publix like four times a week. I'm all in on that. Really? I'm a little bit disturbed by that. Why? You eat a store-made salad four They're times good. a week? They're nice and fresh. And I you just in. buy the ingredients for the salad and make it yourself that, man i'm busy guy i'm doing you're stuff. at the grocery store already i don't have time to go home and make salads you have time to go to the grocery store and buy this what you know making salad is not that hard you got to cut up the vegetables you got to wash the lettuce just buy the mix so i'm basically buying the mix already what's Look, the difference between buying ask a mix? ross chastain or almarola when <laughs> you see them at the food line <laughs> i mean i guess you won't go there because you're all in on the public salad so do you think almarola like just like blindsides chastain with like a like a ham or something or is it like a bacon i really wouldn't do it in the food line because it's going to end up on like tmz or something like people are going to pull out their sponsors, cell phones man. and but if you do it like wearing like a smithfield food shirt and you hit him with a smithfield foods ham like you're promoting the product baby Hit him with a big slab of bacon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's okay. Why don't you bag this, there, watermelon <laughs> boy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> boy, that yeah, that could be a really bad food fight, huh? That could be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Watermelon's flying across the thing. Got hams being chucked. Wow. Wow. I'm I all for this. I, I really this. want this to happen. I don't know if I ever want anything more in my life to happen. Well, I know where you'll be all week. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, anyway... Uh, you know, there was there was a couple other moments of this race that um, I, I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, you know, first of all, I can't believe that some of these cars were able to overcome some of the wrecks that they were in. Oh yeah, Chastain, Truex, uh, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch, or Logano. Logano. I mean, yeah. They they all. I mean, they end up getting more damage later in other incidents. And stuff, yeah. But they. I mean, Logano at one point. I mean, his he got hit. His wheels were off the ground. Kyle Busch ran into him. Logano, uh, Kyle Busch was a lap down. Logano was two laps down, and they both end up there back on the lead lap. Like, yeah. I mean, these cars are pretty durable for the most part. Now, if you stick it in like all the way up to, you know, the driver's side 
you know, the wheel or something like Austin Dillon did into the safer barrier. Ooh, You're not going to come hit. back from that. Um, that was a really hard hit. But, yeah, I mean, these cars were, were durable, and you saw a lot of them continue be able to continue racing. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought overall it was it, it was an unpredictable show. You, you had guys that were up there for a lot of the day, you know, whether it was a Blaney or a Chastain or an Elliott. Obviously, Elliott was class of the field, but you still had guys that were able to race up there, Truex, um, obviously LaJoy. So um, I, I was very pleased overall with the, the product that I saw, I feel like. The car's been very, the car's proven to be durable. I mean, besides, you know, you've got a couple minor issues that have propped up here and there, but largely the car has proven very durable and not a lot of mechanical failures, not a lot of breakages. Um, it's been good. It's been, you know, there's still work to do on road courses and, and short tracks, but largely when it comes to this kind of racing and intermediate tracks, like, They've done a really good job of making this a good, durable, safe car that puts on a good show. What else would you like to talk about from here at Atlanta? I don't got anything else. By the way, Carl Edwards has never won at Kansas. Okay. So uh, let's talk about some of the things that went on this week, including um, the street course news. You alluded to that earlier. I don't want to glaze over that. Jordan here, Mr. Go-Getter, put in a Freedom of Information Act request to the city of Chicago you know, all that we had been talking, oh, you know, the, the rumors are out there. You know, they're looking at street course for Chicago. And they, you know, NASCAR had done the iRacing thing um, on the Chicago street course, or at least a version of it. And Jordan, you know, I don't know if you guys know the law, but um, a public entity uh, like this, a, a city like that, um, if it's not completely sensitive, top secret information, um, you know, some, some state secret, and you put in a request they're required to turn over the documents in terms of, you know, for public transparency. So, um, you know, a lot of times, well, pretty much you, you don't know really what you're going to get uh, when you do that. No, but and I was Jordan, striking out because a couple of the responses back from the requests, and it was multiple requests, um, it turned up nothing, and which was very cu- curious because you're like, wait a second. It was like one of them was from the mayor's office, and you're like, wait a second. The mayor's had no contact whatsoever with NASCAR, and it's like, okay, I guess there's intermediaries and everything. And I was like, all right, I guess there's nothing's turning up. And then, lo and behold, I got an email and got the letter, and here we are. So it looks like uh, that, that is going to be a thing that's happening. Uh, Chicago three-year deal, it sounds like, uh, and at least at least that's the plan. You know, it seems like the, the politicians in Chicago – uh, yeah, that's pushing back against it. That's going to be interesting to watch. Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I say in my reporting, like, this is going, this is the plan, the tentative plan. I can't trust it now. First of all, we should say the deal is not done. Like, it has not been signed at least last time I checked. Um, the tentative plan is to have a press conference July 19th, which is a week from Tuesday. And so, this is all being in the works. So, but there's also like some like a little bit of people like saying like hey this could be announced and this could be a thing but there's also an election in chicago in the fall for the mayor as my understanding and that if that goes a different way and you get a new mayor in there are they not as are they maybe they're not into this race then what happens yeah well so what do you think about um you know the whole event itself or the whole plan itself i mean are you excited to see this come to reality come to fruition i i i think it's i think it's a really good thing and that you can go to the third largest media market and have a race downtown and i know and i don't know what that race is going to look like but just you saw the la coliseum and you kind of look at it like that like this is an event and you're bringing the race to people and we you know you can say well nascar tried chicago and it didn't work they tried in joliet it's an hour outside the city and you know this you have like you go there and it was like any of the excitement that you'd have 
the NASCAR do media playoff media day, it would dissipate by the time you know it's just. But this is something that's probably going to be on Fourth of July, from what I've heard. Like this has got an opportunity to be an event, and hopefully the racing equals that. I, honestly, I'm more. We haven't really talked about this. I'm curious what you think about this. Well, you know, there was some tweet uh, going around that was sort of viral on NASCAR Twitter this week that people did like copy pasta on. Um, I don't know what that copy pasta. Copy is. pasta is when somebody does a tweet. And then you take the same tweet and like maybe change a couple of the names. Like it's sort of you're like making fun of the tweet essentially. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, like you or you put different pictures with it or like. Okay. Anyway, it's it's a internet meme kind of thing. Of course. Um, anyway, so it was basically like uh, I wish I could find it, and, and I can't remember the the dude uh, who he always seems to have controversial opinions or whatever uh, or that people get mad at, but. Basically, it was like, this race isn't for the decor NASCAR fan. It's for Mark, who's going to be walking to the track in his skinny jeans, What's wearing his... Jeans? I'm wearing skinny jeans now. Wear, with, his, with his AirPods in his ears, listening to the newest Kid Leroy song, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so all the replies to it were like, uh, what's wrong with that? You don't want NASCAR to reach new fans? Yeah, that's, that's... Like, that's exactly what it is. It is not probably for the core NASCAR fan. No. It is not for the traditional NASCAR fan. Just like the Coliseum wasn't intended for that either, though. Right. This is, this is going to be an event where you bring people from the city in who would never otherwise go to a NASCAR race, who have maybe heard about it or maybe curious about it enough to come check it out right in their backyard, but would never even drive three hours to a race because why would they? They don't, they're not enough, they don't know enough about it. Yeah. And so this would be an event where you come and you have a good time with your friends, you drink, maybe Music. you see the cars come by in a straight line. You hardly barely see the track. That's a street course. That's, That's what a street it. course race Long is. Long Beach, St. Petersburg, Toronto, you name it. Name a street Nashville course. Nashville IndyCar. Absolutely. You're not seeing a ton of the track when you go to street no, course. It's all the extracurricular stuff. Yes. And that's to and walk that, around and that's the atmosphere. Curious, yeah. And so this is an event. Like, if you're a hardcore NASCAR fan, and so I forgot I, who said this, but, like, you've got 38 races on the schedule, right? Like, if you're a hardcore NASCAR fan, there are plenty of events you can get behind. Southern yeah. 500, Coke 600, Daytona. Like, you've got all of those. Like, it's okay to have, like, a couple. I'm not saying every one, but you can have a couple that are geared towards yeah, a different absolutely. crowd. It's, that's how you build. Like, you have to build. Uh, Chase Elliott's been very passionate about Nashville because he talked about how the fairgrounds um, is really, like, the one track that you could have, you know, sort of in, in a city near a downtown area. Um, obviously, we've seen that otherwise you're going to have to get creative, like, with the L.A. Coliseum to put that near Los Angeles or to have a street course race like Chicago. So... Um, of course, I'm all for it because I think it would be a huge event. I think it would be a big pub publicity type thing. And so the racing is very secondary. It would be great to have a good course um, and all that stuff. But I just don't think that I just don't think, again, the racing would be that important for that one week. You could say, oh, it's boring. You know, the drivers may not like the course, but I just sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's not for that. It's not it's not the traditional race. And I admit, like, I do think you have to make sure, like, you have to make sure the course offers passing opportunities. You've got to offer something, some form of entertainment where people watching at home are like, hey, this is, an, this is a decent race. And, is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how you construct it. The iRacing track they used, um, I think everyone can acknowledge it probably needs to be tweaked a little bit. It sounds like it's going to be. But you got to make sure you offer passing zones. And you, and you, actually put, you know, it's not going to just be a single file procession. And hopefully that's the case. How about, uh, I, I don't want to, um, you know, blow past the, the Parker Kligerman uh, victory. I think that was tremendous. One of the more the popular series. wins in NASCAR, recent NASCAR memory. Yeah, I mean, that's probably fair. I mean, I just think that, you know, here's a guy on, on a really small truck team. People feel like it's sort of odd, like, 
why can this guy who's completely marketable you wrote and, a great story about this three years ago by the way that i encourage people to go check out i mean it's it's you can probably look back at many stories people have written over the years of nah, why yours was why doesn't okay well, yours was really good and it talks <laughs> about that though like i mean his struggle like why isn't this guy He doesn't have money he doesn't yeah. have family money so he can't bring he can't you know get a ride but I mean, it shouldn't be about that. I mean, this guy is clearly a great talent to be able to uh, take a truck like that on a road course where it's all about, you know, driver skill and things. And uh, and I thought he had a fantastic battle with, with Zane Smith. Major appreciation to Zane Smith for, um, you know, having that clean battle and not dumping him, not, you know, moving him out of the way. I thought that was a huge breath of fresh air to see that kind of racing. Uh, good, clean, hard racing between two talented drivers. Uh, again, there's always going to be room for the contact and the drama and things like that. Not but much different than we saw today. Two guys who respect each other but willing to go aggressively after it but not cross the line. Well, this was at least contact or stuffing somebody in the wall. That This was like a Austin Sindrick winning the Daytona 500 by putting his teammate in the wall on at the last corner or the last coming to the finish line today. Yeah, I, that was I, a little bit. You know, I think there's. But, I think the level of respect is the thing, though, is that there's a level of respect and like there's a yes. color. Like, no one crossed the line and needed to finish. No, I agree with that, but I just think nobody. Even, I mean, the the Kligerman Zane Smith battle was just an absolute like delight. Like it was a joy to watch. Like that's, you watch that and you're like, damn, now that's good racing right there. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't like ah, oh, they tried to race each other for a little bit and then the guy at the very end just sent him to win. You know, um, which he could have done, and it just would have been like, oh, well, that's that's unfortunate that that's what NASCAR's turned into, I guess. But uh, I, anyway. I just didn't, I really enjoyed that. I wanted to give that a shout out uh, because I think there should be more of that. I think that's that's the kind of thing that NASCAR should put on a commercial and sell. Sure. You know, I I mean it won't happen, but yeah, I think it's worth note too. Zane Smith is somebody that's turning a lot of heads, and he has done rightfully he, so. He has really really impressed in the truck series and continues to do so. You saw how highly Ford thinks of him. He's a Ford driver. When uh, Chris Busher was out at Gateway, like he was the guy they tapped in there. Like that's somebody to keep an eye on. He's got some he's got a bright future and a lot of people are taking notice. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like he's ready to take the next step. I mean, he's he's shown that maturity in his driving and he's clearly capable. So, I think that's the kind of guy you need to, you know, give him a chance, see what happens at least. Yeah, agreed. Um well, let's talk about the was it a good race poll because now you've won six in a row. I oh, guess I? wrong yet again. Oh. I haven't been keeping track. Well, huh. Big Joe Wall 72 has, and he sent us a tweet. I'm sure you saw it, so I don't know why you're oh. pretending you didn't see it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I guess point one wrong again. Uh, <laughs> terrible. You know how happy I get like when I see, like on like Monday when the poll comes out and I look at the numbers, and I'm like, and then Tuesday when I know it's like lock, I'm like, yeah. You get happy about the poll? Yeah. That's funny because before you went six in a row, you said you hated the poll. And I, knew, I told you, new me. It was stupid. New attitude, new me, and it changed my direction. Now I've got new light, new new um, new vision, if you will, about the poll, a new perspective, and it's paid off. Well, here at Jeff Gluck Racing, we're doubling down on our efforts to strike back. We are not going to let this uh, slump that we're in define our season it's a long way to go you like the william byron of this poll started so early well season early season success you look like the favorite a, and now no. you're just like going the other direction but guess what i'm gonna i'm gonna win this week i'm calling oh, it right now that's great. I, I am gonna win this one okay Corey. feel free to make your guess but i already know where i'm going 85 percent 
Okay, well, you got a little bit close, a little bit close for comfort. So, um, first of all, this is going to be the best Atlanta race. I think the highest Atlanta race I looked it up was like 79.1 Ooh, or something like that. Ooh. I don't think there's ever been an Atlanta race in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, this should be the best. What I thought was, okay, I think with the LaJoy factor and the super speedway-ish factor in this, it sort of reminded me of one of those Daytona regular season finale type feels in a way like where you know somebody news going for it and crazy stuff's gonna happen at the end good racing so along those lines i thought okay well let me look at some of the daytona regular season finales um there's been some like 86 87 ish um that, that have been pretty good so that's where i was gonna go i was i was thinking um 86.1 and unfortunately you did 85 so it's a little bit closer too close for comfort but i i feel optimistic i think it's going to be actually you know a little bit i think i'm going low i think i'm being conservative it's going to be uh, a little bit in the in the upper 80s i don't think it'll crack 90 percent but uh, this is going to get me back on the winning track and uh i'm very confident i i feel good i feel good i, I appreciate you do doing 85 so i could do my 86.1 and uh yeah okay very good well, Formula One race this morning. Uh, <laughs> it did not go at all how I thought it was going to go to. Like, Matt, like, the Red Bull ring is not. You had terrible takes on Twitter about uh, you, how the race was going to go today. I wrote about it. I mean, I wrote about it on the Athletic this week. I like, I mean, we thought, Max, the last two races at the Red Bull, um, he started on the pole, led every single lap. Like, that's just the way it is. And I, I thought that was going to be the case. And, like, I didn't think it was going to be expected. And then all of a sudden, like, Ferrari came out swinging. And for once, Ferrari didn't screw things up. They actually nailed it. Kudos to them. It looked a little bleak there for some times. Well, except for their reliability issues. Well, their reliability issue, like I said, it looked a little bleak. Um, and I was all kind of cackling as uh, uh, Charles Leclerc was uh, leading with a couple laps to go, and he's getting his throttle issues. I was like, oh, my God. this is gonna... Like, I had the tweet all ready to go and everything. I was like, You had the Ferrari going to Ferrari tweet. I had the Ferrari going to Ferrari tweet with the uh, – the gift from the office of Kevin dropping the chili, and it was. I was starting to feel really uncomfortable because. Oh, it's cultural. It's hysterical. No, the poor it guy. Was hilarious. Poor Charles. <laughs> it's great. Uh, poor Charles has had like such a run of bad luck. Uh, hadn't won in three months, despite being one of the best drivers in the series and having fast cars every week. He could have won several races. You could, you could make a, a legit case. He's the driver of the year, and I and. Oh legit. yeah, I mean he's been doing fantastic, and yet hasn't won since Australia. And um, just months have gone by where and just everything keeps happening to the dude. And <laughs> he then he keeps sticking it to him every single week. You know, he's he's driving. He was he didn't get it done the sprint race. But, you know, Verstappen. So, you know, even going in today, you're like, well, Verstappen won the sprint race. Maybe Ferrari doesn't have enough. But the Ferraris kept saying, well, we really have something for him. And the Red Bull drivers kept saying, oh, the Ferraris are going to be there with us. today. It's going to be a close battle. But really, Ferrari was better. And, you know, you have Leclerc there. And like you said, I mean, he's winning. And even after Sainz goes out, poor Carlos, uh, <laughs> to, to, he's about to pass Max to go to P2 and stay in the championship hunt, essentially. Um, it would have helped Charles as well sure. because it would have been one, you know, or less points, points for Max. Yeah. And uh, then his engine blows and catches on fire. And <laughs> the safety crew, what was that? They're like. Yeah, they, they bungled that, and they were. That wasn't a good. You, normally, F one safety. Yeah, is they were not. Better. That, that was not good. good. They were. They like you're like your your buggy's on fire. Like get there and put it out, man. Like hello. yeah, yeah. Um, but so then you know, uh, Leclerc's throttle pedal sticking, like you said, and it sounded like he was maybe <laughs> even having to take his foot to 
take it back from being down enough or, you know, 10, 20% and Max is catching him and you're like, Oh my God, what a terrible way to lose a race. This is going to be. So funny. Why do you think it's so funny? It's just because it's Ferrari and they're so, they just find new and creative ways. That's so mean. <laughs> you don't know me. What do you have against Ferrari? I just, you just I, like the, the comedy just, of errors. I just like the comedy. Of errors. I like somebody who's got all of the resources to be, they, they, they should be fast and dominant every single year. And they just screw it up every single year. It's just funny to me, like, how you squander all of this ability you have. And, like, because you cannot get out of your own way. It's just, like, it's comical. Man, that's harsh. Well, uh, speaking of harsh, um, Lewis Hamilton has a fork in his back that uh, Jordan Bianchi stuck there. He has three straight podiums. So, you know. That's cool. Still trails Russell in the point standings and. Yeah, but no, the other day you were like, oh, see, this is going to be great for the podcast. You said in the media center, yeah, you said they great. were making a big deal out of yeah. Lewis going for eighth against yeah. Schumacher. And this just shows I'm right. Yeah. Guess what? Like, again, P3. Great. That's cool. And congratulations to him. We're, we're celebrating him finishing third again. How far? He doesn't have as good cars as uh, Ferrari and Red Bull. Okay. Your teammate is outperforming you throughout the season. You're less hair. He finished ahead of him today. Congratulations. We'll give him a cookie. What will it take to get the fork? No, it's what fine. will it take it's for fine. you to remove he's the doing, fork he's from? He's doing just fine. I just, he's like, it's great. Like, what do you need to see? A win? I don't know. Like, elevate your team to, like, a higher plane and, and lift your team. You don't have a good team behind you? Figure it out. Lift your team. Make them better. I don't think you can really do that in Formula One. <laughs> Maybe. I don't you know. I, I guess my, my big thing is I look at it like all of the... Like, he, all of the issues they've had, right? Like, you don't hear Russell complaining. You don't hear Russell. Russell just goes out there and figures it out. And he's gotten good finishes. Yes, Mercedes does not have a good car. Like, they, they, they screwed up the car. They're third. They've gotten better, though. They've gotten, they've gotten better. better. They made, seriously, they made serious gains. And it's like, but how do you, as a seven-time world champion, how, do you, how are you getting outpointed by your less heralded, less experienced teammate? Like, it just baffles me. Well, I think there's been a multitude been, of reasons. Yeah, there's been an issue, and like, they are getting better. Um, but they are still, they still got a ways to go. But yeah, good for them. They're, you know, third place finish. Kudos. Okay, so it's a halfway point of the F1 season now. We pretty much already give the title to Max weeks it's ago. Over. It's still over. It, no, it's over. I mean, it's Leclerc's like, now within I think 38 points. Nah, it's, it's only the halfway point. If Ferrari can keep up their pace and challenge Red Bull <laughs> like they did today, no, you're not opening that at all. <laughs> you don't buy it whatsoever. <laughs> You're putting a lot of faith in Ferrari to get a lot of things right the rest of the year. That's a that's a tall task. I wouldn't trust them to organize a trip out of the phone booth. And you're asking to say that the rest of the year you've got to be flawless. They, they'd have to be near flawless with their strategy, with their reliability they have to be issues. Near flawless. And they say, well, they ha- they can't give up many points. They ha- they have to beat the way they can't have any more reliability issues. When they we saw it today, they, they still have issues. I still think Max is going to win it, but I'm just saying. I think there's maybe a little bit more of a possibility now. No? I don't see it. Not this year. I think I think next year's their year. All right. I mean, Checo, uh, DNF today. Sure. They retired the car. Well, that was his fault. I mean, they he got into collision, though. That wasn't a reliability issue. That was a... He well, I know, but I mean, that's a mis- essentially a mistake. Well, yeah, I mean, they gave I, George Russell a five-second penalty for it, the, but... The thing with Max, though, like, and Max doesn't get enough credit for it. He doesn't make mistakes. Like, he rarely makes mistakes. He's, he's, he's evolved from a driver who used to be really aggressive, and sometimes, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, presumptuous is not the right word, but, like, somebody who's just, like, rash. And he doesn't do that anymore. He's calculating and doesn't make bad choices, and that's... that's I'm just saying, I think 
it, it depends on if Ferrari's able to keep this up. But let's say in France in a couple of weeks, if Ferrari shows up and they beat Red Bull again, will you change your tune or no? You're still sticking to... I mean, I think this is Max's championship to lose. And I think Red Bull, in addition to Ferrari continuing to have pace, continuing not to have issues with strategy calls. And we saw it again this weekend, by the way, in the sprint race. Ferrari should have came on the radio in that sprint race and told signs, back off. Like, that's Charles' spot. Let him go. It's a point. We need the starting position. They don't – They. it doesn't it – yeah, but they already showed last week they don't. They're not going to yeah, do that. Which is like again, if you're gonna if you're going to get back in this title race, you need to start getting your ducks in a row and start prioritizing. And maybe they will after this week because it's it's clear now. But you you've got to have a lot go right, and and plus you'd have to have Red Bull fall off, and Red Bull that's not a Red Bull thing to do. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I just I'm just I would bet confidently on Red Bull. You it would take a couple DNFs probably. From Max or a couple of mistakes, but you know that at some point it's going to happen. I mean, he's not just going to go through and have a perfect season. No, I mean he's had some reliability issues this year, but yeah. they seem to have sorted that out, and we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm thinking maybe it's not quite as over as I thought. No, it's over. But I, I don't <laughs> it's know. Over. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Long way to go. All Long right. way to go. Um, so the next race is New Hampshire. Yep, back to New Hampshire where Eric Almirola won. Still the craziest win last year. Last year. Like, crazy, I mean, it yeah. wasn't like a fluke win. Like, rarely do you see a guy come up and have a performance like that where he was legit the fastest car in the race, pretty much all, the, and just punch above his weight class. You don't see that. Like, you've seen fluke wins, but I don't hate to call it a fluke win because that was just like a, we came there. They came there and beat people. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm not uh, not gonna lie, not not optimistic. Again, another one where I hope I'm wrong, but not optimistic yeah. for the racing. At New Hampshire, uh, with this car, so far hasn't shown. I mean, a one-mile flat track. Gateway was okay. Gateway turned out to be better because they got they ended up getting a second lane. Yeah, but we'll see. New Hampshire's. I it's mean, a lot. It's know. very similar to Phoenix. Yeah, similar well, to Richmond, and, and you know, with the downshifting they can do this year and things like that. What do you feel about the shifting? Do you feel like they should? put a stop to that? Because that's what a lot of people, drivers, are saying. You talk to people like that. Well, it, it, they're you know. They've made the point that it, it just bails you out of mistakes. Yeah, it's um, a lifeline. You know, if you mess up, you can just downshift and drive away from somebody. And, you know, you may have overshot the corner where somebody might have passed you before. You might have blown the corner, but now they can just, you can yeah. just basically fix your own error and it makes it harder to pass. So, but I don't, you know, they, they would have to change, I guess, like the, the whole mapping of everything to do that in the gear ratios or whatever. And that's, it. it's. I don't know, apparently that's hard to do or not such an easy fix, right? So seems like an off-season project, is what you're saying? Yeah, but I don't I mean, know. Should, I don't here's the question, though. Should that be a thing that you look at into the off-season of saying, this is something we need to address? Maybe at Martinsville, but I don't know at the other tracks. I mean, you're going to have to customize it for every track to make sure that doesn't happen, and I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, so this this win today, like the, the Chase Elliott win, uh, not having a new, ta- a new winner, um, you know, the drivers, like Chase Briscoe was very concerned about, oh, gosh, there's another win- new winner. I- I'm having to race these guys in points like a Cindric to make sure that I maintain my spot. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I hope Chase Elliott wins the regular season championship because I don't want Blaney to win it because then it would be 15 drivers, you know, because the regular season champion gets a spot. And if Blaney's winless and uh, gets a regular season title, it's-, it's only 15 drivers to fill all the slots. Um, 16 would potentially bump him out. So he. You know, he's looking at that. And, uh, you know, so 
I'm personally thinking that there's not going to be an Eric Almirola-ish upset next week. What do you think? Is it going to be one of these, you know, it's probably going to be a Chastain, yeah, Suarez, I mean, Hendrick would, guy. I would, you know, I'm not going to go on that limb and say we're going to saw last year because that was just, I don't remember the last time that happened like that. Um, yeah. I, I think it's going to be usual suspects. I think like we've kind of established, like, we, we know the players are. Interesting to watch, though, is uh, go back to Gateway. Hendrick cars weren't that good there. Like, that was kind of their one, I don't call it, I guess, weakness, if you will, like, where they were not really on their game. They weren't in contention. And so... Interesting to see if the nine goes there and, and is maybe that's a Ford type track, like you know, Logano. Yeah, Logano, exactly. Yeah, that could yeah. be a Logano yeah. and track. Toyota seem to be running well there, those kind of tracks, too. So, might be uh, it'd be interesting to see if if and it's something to kind of keep an eye on, too, as we go forward. Because you look at the playoffs, like it's Phoenix, obviously, then there's a Martinsville, like you don't want to be off on these type of tracks, you want to kind of have your ducks in a row. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, uh, the sun is now setting here in Atlanta. Uh, the haulers have stopped blowing their train whistles. Thank to goodness. Uh, much to Jordan's delight. And uh, nobody's come and swept up victory lane yet, but um, we'll leave the confetti here. And we'll say thank you to those of you who listened to this tonight. We appreciate you um, coming along for the ride for our conversation as always. Jordan, next time we'll be in person do one of these. Uh, Daytona? Maybe Daytona regular season finale. I would think maybe. that would probably be it, yeah. Maybe let's try to do that. Let's try right. to do that. Uh, boy, that'll be lot, a lot. We'll have been uh, we'll have a lot more answers by then. Next time I see you in person. Yeah, Daytona's gonna be crazy. <laughs> yeah, especially if there's like one spot left or something. Uh, or it's since they moved that race to the regular season finale. It's the, can you imagine it, if there's like if there does turn out to be enough winners that like Ryan Blaney second in points? Could I said that, I asked him that question. They, like there is a legit. I mean, it's unlikely. But there is a conceivable path where he could finish second in the regular season standings and miss the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, no, I know. All right, well, everybody, thanks so much, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.